All right. <laughs> Watch it for the cue. We are in now. We are ready to go. Well, good morning. It is good to be here this morning. Good to see faces, actual real live beings. And uh, it's a good thing. We are going to just have a chance to let the Holy Spirit speak to us this morning. I'm excited to be here. Uh, this I started actually on Monday of last week. had a chance to meet the staff and We've been having a great time. Good to get to know them. You guys have a great staff here. Can I just say that? Yeah. Yeah, they really do. They have been stellar. And, and so uh, the elder board met with me and said, hey, we want you just to kind of get a rolling start, you know. And I thought a rolling start meant you kind of chill. You just kind of take it easy, kind of slide into it, you know. And uh, so, uh, in fact, they said we got people lined up to speak all the way through Easter. So just kind of, just kind of get to know people and take your time. And so... I did until uh, it, I realized that what rolling start meant was like sprint cars, you know? Have you ever seen that like, where they're, they're racing and they come to the line? They're already rolling when they come to the line, and then all of a sudden here comes the flag to get started and go, and you mash your foot down the gas pedal and away you go. And so we're flying. We are having a great time already and, and getting in going. And the reason that I'm actually teaching today wasn't planned, uh, but Brian came to me during the week, and he was scheduled to teach today, and he said, you know, Cliff, um, I just said, really, I think maybe this is, you're supposed to talk on Sunday, and I said, uh, you know, I'm, and he goes, really? I've been, I think it's the Holy Spirit, and here's why, and he laid out all the reasons why, and I went, wow, that's pretty good, and it's really neat to me, because here's a guy who loves to be able to have a chance to be up here and preach, he just, it's something he loves to do, is his passion, to say, you know what, I think uh, you've screwed up so many times in your past that uh, you're a better example of some of this stuff than I would be. I think you're supposed to teach it. So here I am. And uh, I'd like to just start, and Allison already did, but I want to just reemphasize this. Our ability to walk away from this and receiving something significant is dependent upon your ability and willingness to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So let's just, just, just take a second and ask Him to do that, can we? Lord, right now, we just want to stop and say, would you speak to us? And Holy Spirit, I think uh, about the people here, but I also think about those who are watching online. And I thank you that you are right there with them in their rooms right now, and that you will speak to them as you will speak to us as we open up our hearts and our minds to actually hear from you. So give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit. Let us see where we are at in your word as we walk through it together. Would you minister to us that way so that, Lord, we can become closer to you and, and just fall even more in love with you because of who you are. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So where we are at is in the book of Galatians. It's Paul's letter to Christians in Galatia. And so you can open up your Bibles or your apps and follow along. We'll also have it on the screen in case you don't have one easily available. We're going to start in Galatians 3, um, chapter 3, verse number 26. Uh, we really were, I was asked to look at all of the chapter 4, but felt like we need to go back for a couple of verses to get some context. But before we do, I want to remind you of what the book of Galatians is all about. It's, it's actually not a book, it's just a letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote to churches, Christian churches in Galatia, to people who believe in Jesus. 
And he had a concern in his heart. He, had a, he said something he was very concerned about. He was concerned that the people in Galatia who had come to know Jesus based on who Jesus was, who had asked Jesus to come into their hearts, who had accepted him, who had their sins forgiven, who were now believers in God, in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, that, that they had had people come in and told them, hey, you know what? Loving Jesus and knowing Jesus and, and having a relationship with Jesus, it's all good, but you also need to, uh, men, be circumcised. You also need to worship on the right day. You also need to be concerned about your dietary restrictions as per the Old Testament. And so, and Paul saying, no, 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 don't do that. He said, as soon as you get caught up in all the things you've got to do, to, be, to earn your way to God, you've essentially discounted what Jesus did for you. You've basically thrown that whole idea of this grace that He's offered you, this undeserved favor that He's given you, and you've thrown it in the trash heap, and you're now living for the wrong purposes. So that's what this letter is about, and He is passionate about it. What He's trying to tell us is that being good is never good enough. You cannot receive salvation. You cannot earn salvation by being good no matter what you do to make it appear that way. And that's why it's important, he's saying, for us to understand that true freedom only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only place it's going to come from. Now, my wife is here with me today. Uh, her name is Karen. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand up a minute, babe, and, and uh, just for people, you know, people, well, yeah, you're online. You can't see her. You're the ones who are here can see her. It's too bad for you guys online. It sucks, but because uh, she's cute, you know. But um, uh, some time back, Karen was talking to me about it, and she said, you know, I have just been praying. I was praying and praying. I've been praying for weeks now. For the Lord to, uh, to set me free with some things that keep coming back into my mind from my past, stuff I've asked forgiveness for, and I know I'm forgiven, but they, it keeps coming back. I just don't feel like I'm free from it. And she said, and then was telling me that she was praying again for that and praying passionately for that when suddenly she felt the Holy Spirit speak to her. And this is what he impressed upon her mind. He said, Karen, you are free. The cell door has been opened since the first time you asked for forgiveness. You're free, but you have to get up and walk out of the cell. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, but why does that come? Why did that come to her? Why did the Holy Spirit impress it upon her mind? Because of the relationship that she had with Jesus. Jesus did the work, but we have to engage in relationship with Him often to see the work actually produced in and through us. And that's why we would say true freedom only comes from a relationship with Jesus. So Paul is talking about freedom here, and we're going to jump into that in just a second, but when he's talking about freedom, what does he mean that you are free from? In other words, he's saying, hey, hey, Christians, focus on the freedom, not the works you have to do. What are you free from with the freedom he's talking about here in Galatians? Anyone? You have accepted Jesus as your Savior. What are you free from? Condemnation. What else? Fear. Yeah. What else? Sin. Yes. Yeah. That is excellent. Yeah. We are free from shame, from guilt, from sin, from works, from having to earn our way to salvation. We're free from that, he's saying. That's the freedom he's talking about. He's not talking about he's not talking about freedom even because he was talking to people who were slaves at the time. 
So he's not talking about freedom as far as a position or whatever is concerned. He's talking about freedom in our spirits of what God has done for us, of what Jesus has done for us. And so um, I want to share a little bit with you about my past. If you're interested in knowing all of the dirty details, uh, you can watch online uh, at arborchurch.com. Look for From Prison to Pastor. From Prison to Pastor, that's, it'll give you the whole details. And uh, in that, you'll find out that I have been in prison and I've made lots of other mistakes. So you get the advantage of learning from that. You know, uh, I'm still standing. And God is good that He works through us yeah, even when we're broken. Amen? Yeah, you can say amen again. That's really good. Amen, amen. I'm glad about that. So when I first became a, a Christian, when I first accepted Jesus into my heart, I was a, I was a, a boy, really, uh, almost a young man. But I knew I, I knew I needed to have my sins forgiven. I knew I wanted to go to heaven, and that sounded a whole lot better than, than hell particularly. So I thought I better accept Jesus as my Savior. But I was also in an environment. I was in a church. My dad was actually a pastor. And so the church that I went to, it was, it was, there was a lot about what you did, a lot about what you had to do. It was, uh, Scott talked about that last week. He said he grew up in that kind of a church, and so did I. And so uh, once I accepted Jesus, it felt like that wasn't enough. It felt like I needed to do more. And I felt like God was calling me into ministry way back then. But I thought, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure what that looks like. And, and I began to think about that. I actually then, as I graduated from college, got into ministry. But I had this thing in my head that I got to do more. I got to do more. I've got to please God. And I never felt like I could really please Him enough. And, and so now I graduated from college. I got into ministry. I did it for about six months. And I went, I can't do this. And the thing that, that drove me crazy about it was the fact that my living was dependent upon other people giving. And I hated that feeling. I, I Honestly, truth is, I was just too proud. And I, and I just couldn't stand the thought of having my hand out or having to count on other people to take care of me. And so I thought, I'm, I'm going to get out of this ministry gig. I'm going to go make some money. And then I can do ministry and not have to have my hand out or expect anybody else to take care of me in any way, shape, or form. And so I began, I began to do that. I went into business, into the financial business. And then I had this other idea that I superimposed on top of that, which was an outstanding idea. I just want to tell you, it was an amazing idea. I thought, well, not only will I earn money for myself first, but I, I want to become a wealthy Christian philanthropist. Now, for those of you who don't know, that means somebody who's got a lot of money, who's a Christian, who gives a lot of money away. And I thought, this is perfect. I'll become, I'll do that. I'll work hard in business. And when I make a lot of money and I'm giving a lot of money away, people will say, hey, Cliff, we want you to tell us how that worked in your life and where was Jesus in that. And I'll be able to stand up and give a tremendous testimony about how Jesus blessed me to become this kind of a person. And that's why I'm so generous and so forth and so on. Does that sound good to you? I can't believe some of you guys are going, yeah, sign me up, man, sign me up. It sounded great to me. The only problem with it was, it was my idea of what I could do for God. And, and so I set about doing that. And I'm, I, I tell you, I'm embarrassed to, to admit that I spent 18 years doing that. And after 18 years, I had accumulated enough to say, okay, now I can go into ministry. I don't need to depend on anyone else. And so, God, I'm telling you, I'm ready for ministry. But I need about two more years so uh, when I hit 20 years in there, then I'll, have, then I'll have moved enough of my money into income-producing assets and so forth and so on. I'll never have to ask anybody for any money again, and I can just do ministry for you wherever you want me to, however you want me to. And it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, are you really going to do that? 
Are you going to follow me in ministry? Oh, yeah, Lord, yeah. And you can listen to the rest of it in, in from prison to pastor. But the long story short is, two years later, I had nothing. Nothing. I was wiped out. And the Holy Spirit told me, I don't want your stuff. I just want you. And that began a process for me of, seeing, of realizing I had decided that I needed to do. My whole focus, my whole interest became about what I was doing for God instead of who I was being and who I was in relationship with. So, so the, the doing things for God became more important than being with God, in relationship with God. And he needed to demonstrate to me that true freedom only comes from a relationship with Jesus. So today, as we jump into the Scripture, I am confident that you will find yourself somewhere in this Scripture, somewhere in this message. And so I'm encouraging you to listen for that, for the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, this is where you're at right now. And then we can uh, address that as we close today. So let's jump in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26. Paul says, for you are all children of God, so that's who he's talking to as Christians, through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Stop here for a second. So what did we just read that gets you to become a child of God? What did he just say? Anybody? Faith. That's right. Faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. Notice he didn't say something else. He didn't say faith in Christ Jesus and what day you go to church and what you eat and how you do anything. It's just faith in Christ Jesus. And, and it's not Jesus and anything. In verse 28, he goes on and says, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, Paul is saying, listen, as a body of believers, you need to avoid divisiveness. You need to avoid the things the enemy wants to use to create issues and problems. You are all one. How much one? Well, listen, Jew or Gentile. And so that would be ethnicity or race, American or Russian. Uh, he said, that, that doesn't matter. And then he says slave or free. What's he talking about there? Position or title. It doesn't matter, he's saying. It doesn't matter whether you're liberal, whether you're conservative, whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republican. It doesn't matter whether you're for this or against this. Those are not the important parts. Even gender doesn't matter, male or female. Don't make a big deal out of it, Paul is saying. He's saying those things cause division and we are to be one. So if you are a person that says, yeah, but wait a minute, I believe that it should be great, great. But then stop and say, Lord, how important is that to you? And what you will find is that he says within the body of believers, he wants us to act like one and to be one and to let go of our own personal agendas to pick up his agenda. And that will make all of the difference. And friends, we just have to be about that right now. Don't let them become divisive. Verse 29, and now that you belong to Christ, you see that, belonging to Christ? That's the idea of ownership and actually, then Jesus says, but I'm not calling you my servants anymore. I'm now calling you my friends, which is about relationship. Oh, see, true freedom only comes from a relationship with Jesus. That's what he's showing us here. He says, you are the true children of Abraham. How? If you belong to Christ. You are his heirs 
And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Cool. We get Abraham's promise. Uh, what is it? What's his promise that we get? See, that's what we want to find out. We look at Scripture like this. We say, well, what, what does that mean to me? Anybody know what the promise is he gave Abraham? The nations will be blessed. Man, you are on top of it. Somebody ought to give you a candy bar or something. Uh, Genesis 12 is where you can read about that. You can make them know. I want to go back and read that. Genesis 12, verse 3, God says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And now watch. All the families or all the peoples or all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Most certainly he was talking about the Messiah coming from Abram, but he was talking about more than that. He was talking about the blessings that could come to anyone who would, who would get to know him. So if his promise to Abraham, that promise to Abraham, I'll bless all nations through you, is also ours, and that's exactly what it says it is. It says it's ours. So if it's ours, then what does it mean for us? It means God wants to use you to bless people and nations. Wow. That's what he's saying. I want to be in relationship with you, and I will put you in the place to bless people and nations. So there's a question we've got to ask ourselves. Lord, how have I been blessing people lately? How have I been doing what you're asking me to do? How does that happen in the way that, in the things that I do at work, and the things that I do at home, and the things that I do as I interact with people? Let's keep moving on. Galatians, now we're to chapter 4, verse 1. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their fathers set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Let's stop there just for a second because I want you to think about the basic spiritual principles of this world. So the Bible tells us that our enemy, the devil, is the prince of this world. He's a spiritual being. What are the basic spiritual principles then of this world? What are some of the things? Think of, uh, think of advertisements, and you'll begin to come up with what some of the basic spiritual principles that we could be slaves of are in this world. Any ideas? Pardon me? That, yeah, that, that we could be slaves. Because he's saying here, you, you, were, you were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Pride, pride is definitely one. Pride is one that gets us, gets us going under these things. Pride is the one that makes us think it's all about our way. Pride is the one that makes us think you deserve to have a break today. Pride is the one that makes us think that, that, we're, that everything in wherever it is stays in wherever it is. The whole idea behind that is you can go and do and have your fun and not be hurt by your fun because it's all about you. That's the basic spiritual principle of the world the enemy uses to try to separate us from God and keep us from having that relationship and having the freedom that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Verse 4, But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. That means that Jesus was expected to follow the 613 Mosaic laws, and He did. 
God sent him, that would be Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So he's buying freedom and he's adopting us. What did Jesus do to buy our freedom and to adopt us? What's that? He died on the cross. Oh, about four of you got that right on. That was like you said it in unison. That was great. Yes, he died on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He actually, the Bible says, he actually became sin. Actually became sin on that cross for us so we could be freed from it. I want to give you a picture example of this because I think this is so important for us to understand. So uh, uh, years ago, uh, in ancient times, you could not declare bankruptcy. If you messed up and you ended up owing somebody a bunch of money, you became their slave until you paid it off. So I want you to just picture this for yourself. Put yourself in this scenario. You owe money and not a little bit. You owe enough to know that you could not pay it off in 20 lifetimes. And you are now the slave of a person that you have become the slave of because of that. And you know you're a slave for the rest of your life. And the person who owns you decides he's going to sell you. And so he's going to put you on the sales block. You've probably seen pictures of this and how it happened and did happen in the times of slavery and probably still does in places where they do that yet today around the world. Here's the person in slavery. They've got shackles on their, on their ankles. They've got a belly band, handcuffs going through the belly band so they can't do anything. And they walk up to the block and, and they get on the block or, and then the auction's going to start. This is you. This is you. And here's what you know. In an auction, a lot of times, I used to be an auctioneer, I mean, I spent a little time doing that for fun, and, and uh, there's often a minimum bid. And, and so, so if you can't pay the minimum bid, then obviously you don't get whatever you're, you're, the auctioneer is selling. In this case, you know, you're looking around the crowd, and you realize, eh, is there anybody here who can pay what they're going to require to pay? Because I would like to get out from underneath being a slave to the one I'm a slave to right now. And then you realize there's only one there that could possibly pay the price. Only one person. And the bidding begins. And that person bids. And next thing you know, you're sold to that person. And then they grab you and they haul you over to that person and you stop and you look up at them and they're looking down at you and they say to the people who brought you to them, take off the handcuffs, take off the belly band, take off the shackles. And they do. And now you're standing there and you all. And they says, he looks down and says, um, you're free. You're free to go. But, but before you do, I, I really would like, what I'd really like to do, I'd like to make you part of my family. I'd like to adopt you into my family. You know this is the only one who could afford to pay the price. This is the one who actually is a king and has an entire kingdom, and he's now saying, I'm going to make you part of my family? Are you kidding me? And your thought is, well, well what do I got to do? He says, nothing, nothing. Just take my name. Just be part of my family. But, but wait a minute, i got to do something for that. Can, can I earn it? Are you expecting me to do, or do you have other? Uh, nothing, nothing. I just want you to be part of my family. And when you're part of my family, 
then not only are you adopted in, but you get to be engaged in my kingdom stuff right now. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my inheritance. It's going go to go to you too. You, can you see? And, but, but then he says, but, but you know what? None of this works if you're not willing to be in relationship with me. Your freedom comes only through a relationship, a relationship with Jesus. It's the only way. I think that, I think we're not actually truly free until we begin to understand and know why we are free. You see, that same person, if they don't understand why they're free, they never get why they're free. They can begin to act in that freedom, but, they, but man, the difference when they really begin to understand it. And they say, why did, you, why did you choose to do this for me? How come? And what price was paid? And if you don't know that, you can be free, but you don't have the appreciation. And as soon as they say, well, you know what? Only one reason, because I was able to pay the price. It did. It cost me everything. But you know what else? I love you. I just flat love you. That's why I paid the price. I'm telling you right now, that's so hard for some of you to believe, but it is God's truth, and we need to receive it. That's why he's done it. Let's keep going. Verse number six, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son, who's his son? Jesus, so the Spirit of Jesus into our hearts, and that Spirit prompts us to call out, Abba, Father. That'd be like, Daddy. It's a very intimate, endearing term to the Father. And then he says, now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Wow, wow. This morning, I had a chance to meet Chloe, who is uh, Laura's little, little girl, must be about three maybe, um, and what a sweetheart. And it reminded me of my second daughter when she was three, Jasmine. When she was that age, she was two to five, she had this incredible gift. I'm going to call it a gift because I've never seen another child have that personally. Of course, she was my child. Did I tell you that? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, but Jazz was a person who was, she was not physical touch, Right? And, but she was this little girl you just couldn't, couldn't, you just love to get your arms on. But she had this ability to understand that when she needed to feel wanted, to feel needed, to feel cared for, she would just ask. Now, most kids, and, most of, and my, I've got four children, and, and my other ones, for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, if they wanted attention, they, you had to kind of pick up on it, Right? You had to kind of pick up, I think they need some attention right now. And if you don't pick up on that as a parent, you know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. They're going to act out, aren't they? They're going to act out because they want the attention badly enough that they'll take negative attention, uh, even, even if they have to, just to get some attention. Jazz wouldn't do that. Jazz would walk right up to me and she'd go, Daddy, hold me. Oh, my goodness, and your heart would just go, are you kidding me? And I'd pick her up, and I'd think to myself, oh, man, what moon do you want? Whatever I can get for you, child, you got it. Oh, now, I wouldn't give her something that would harm her. Oh, your father in heaven 
says, I love to hold you. I love to hold you. I've got, I own everything that you need. And I'll give you things just because I love you, because I, you're calling me daddy? Really? Oh, what a great place to be in his arms. He's, that's where you can get freedom. But it comes because of the relationship, do you see, with a child and a parent? So what do we get? What do we get as God's heirs? It says right there, he's just got done telling us, we are his heirs. So what do we get as his heirs? Eternal life. We get eternal life. What else do we get? Forgiveness. Yeah, now we're rolling. What else? Unconditional love. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. What else? Joy. Joy. Now we're talking. What else? Peace. Yeah. Comfort. Freedom. Freedom. I have come that you might be free and free indeed. Oh, oh, we're heirs of His. All of it starts today because we're heirs of His. God has given His heirs eternal, everlasting life along with all of the things that you all mentioned, demonstrating that true freedom only comes from that relationship with Jesus. We go on to verse 8. Before you Gentiles knew God... You were slaves to so-called gods that did not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? I got a question for you. Do you think they knew that what they were doing was wrong? No, I don't think so either. That was, those are good answers. We might be a little tempted, but I don't think so. I didn't know what I was doing when I thought I could work harder to please God more, when I get upset because I'm not doing enough for you, God. And he's saying, would you pipe down and just be in relationship with me? I think a lot of times we don't even realize that we are starting to slide over to become into that works mentality instead of a relationship mentality. In other words, you can be wrong without even knowing you're wrong. And I think that's one of the reasons that God puts us in a family of believers so that we can observe that in each other and lovingly come alongside of each other and say, really, you think you're doing more? You think you're running faster in that little hamster wheel is going gonna, is gonna to really make you more pleasant to God? You need to take a chill pill and, and just be in relationship with Him and then let Him move you and direct you the way that He wants to do that. So now let's, let's look at verse 10. And beyond. He says, You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all of my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in, cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you'll pay, only pay attention to them. 
If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But don't let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone. But at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Can you see how Paul is desperate here to try to get this message across? Please don't go that way. It's a dead-end way. Being all about works is a dead-end place to be. Get back focused on the relationship. God's put us in a body of believers so that we can be desperate about that with each other and encourage each other to get back to it. But what he else is he's telling us is this. The Christian life is a developing and growing life. And we're going to continue to grow and develop. And God's going to continue to show us new things. My hope and prayer for you is that you don't have to take as long as I did. I wish somebody had come alongside of me partway through that and said, Hey, Cliff, man, you're just, I know you're busting your chops thinking you're doing everything for God. Have you stopped and really thought about asking him what it is he really wants you to do? God was so gracious to me in my case to actually bless me in that process somewhat and have the patience to wait for me to come back around to Him. But that freedom comes not from trying to do more faster. It comes from being in relationship with Him. Verse 21, Paul says, Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The Scriptures say that Abram had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. Now, I've got to stop here just a second to let me tell you that little bit of that story so we get it in the right perspective because he's going to use them as an example here. He's talking about his, Abram's wife, Sarah. So we talked about the promise that God gave him in, Gen- in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis 15, he gave him a promise that isn't necessarily ours. He said, Abram, I'm going to make your descendants too many to count. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, you are going to be so proliferous, so as a as a man, that your, your generations that come after you are going to be more than you could possibly count. So Abram receives that from the Lord and says, yeah, but uh, I got a problem here. I don't have a son. I have no way of passing on what I even now have. And, and, and God says, I'm going to give you a son. And Abram goes, okay, cool. And time goes by. And time goes by. And time goes by. And finally, Abram's going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe God needs a little bit of help. And Sarah says, I think maybe God does need some help because obviously you don't have a son yet and it's getting desperate and I'm past that age now and we got to do something for you. And so Sarah says, why don't you take my servant? And by the way, this was not unusual in those times where the man of the house, the, the, uh, w- the lady of the house may have a servant, a slave essentially, and would, would require that or allow her husband to have sex with her slave. And the child that came from that was still considered the child of the husband. So they're thinking, well, maybe that's what God meant. It's going to happen that way instead of through Sarah. And so they do that. And Ishmael is born. And, but God says, that, that, that's, not, that's not the way I was going to do it. That's not the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it through Sarah, and I will do it on my timing. And he waits some more years. 
until it seems like it's absolutely not possible whatsoever, and then God allows Sarah to get pregnant and have Isaac. And so you have one by the slave woman, one by the free woman. And now Paul is using that as an example here of us being either in slavery or being in freedom. So you see how that kind of works there. Here's what we see with Abraham in this particular case. Let's, let's go on first with the other verse. She says, the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. So Paul is saying, so you see the difference between the, between the slave wife and the free wife? I've got another question to ask here, just a, just a thought, and there's no right or wrong answer. The Scripture doesn't tell us for sure. I think it's pretty clear, but we'll see. Um, do you think Abram was intentionally going against God with Hagar? No, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. So you guys are really smart. Whoever said yes, you're probably not as smart, but that's okay. Um, I don't think so. I think he just was trying to do something to kind of help God along because we're not willing to wait. And, And by the way, I get this all the time for me. We get in God's way when we get ahead of Him. We get in His way when we get ahead of Him. We complicate things when we get ahead of Him. And for me, I want it done faster. I want it done on my timing. And God's going, well, your timing isn't necessarily my timing. And by the way, I'm God and you're not. And we have to realize that sometimes to go, ooh, okay, Lord, I, I, I realize that you're God and I'm not. Here, Abram gets ahead of himself and he causes problems. For me, it's the same way. And I've complicated my life many times because I want to get it done and get it done in a hurry. Reminds me of that great theologian, Alabama, or that great group. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Hmm? I rush and rush till life's no fun. All I have to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Oh, wow. That's the worldly thing, isn't it? That's not living in peace. That's not living with freedom. Now, true freedom only comes from a relationship with Jesus. Verse number 24. These two women... Sarah and Hagar, serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. That's where Moses got the Ten Commandments and all of that. Now, and now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery to the law. When he says Jerusalem, he means the Jews. He means they're chasing after doing it all by the law. They think they've got to keep the law to get God's approval. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. And what he's really saying here is when we're born again, we're born into freedom. You see that? Isn't that neat? When we are born again, we're born into freedom. Verse 27, as Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman, you have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. There again, he's confirming that we are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you're now being persecuted by those who want, to keep, want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, 
persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. You see what he's comparing here? He's saying, he's saying, you know, the problem is, you guys, you have people try to get you to go back to be like Ishmael, where you aren't free. You're a slave. But God wants you to be free. And by the way, he wants to give you something for that, his inheritance. And the promise that you can get as children of the promise can only come out of an appropriate relationship. Not the relationship of slavery, slavery, the relationship of freedom. It's only your relationship with Jesus that makes you an heir to God's promises. It's the relationship. It's not what you do. It's never, friends, never Jesus and. It's just Jesus. And true freedom only comes from a relationship with that Jesus. Verse 28. But what do the Scriptures say about that? It says, get rid of the slave and her son, for the, slave, the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. And then he closes a chapter by saying, so dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, we are children of the free woman. Friends, listen, God's inheritance is only given to His children. God's inheritance is only given to His children makes us stop and have to ask the question, are we truly free? Are we truly free in Him? If you're not, today is a day you can do something about that. Today's a day to assess yourself and say, have I kind of slipped into that slide, into that, didn't even realize I was getting there, but I'm in a place where I think it's all about what I do. It becomes more and more incumbent upon me to feel like I'm doing more for Jesus. And if that's the case, man, I need to, I need to resolve that with Him now. I need to step back into making the relationship the most important thing. Because when, when we are free in Christ, we are truly free. We're truly free. And we can put shackles on ourselves. We can put handcuffs on ourselves. And what Paul is telling us here is, man, you'll be able to do that. He didn't know it when he was writing it, but he could have written a little asterisk there and said, by the way, in 2021, you'll be just as likely to do it as the Galatians are today. And the way to solve it is to remember back what Christ has done for you, and remember that His desire is a relationship with you, not to have you as a servant or a slave, but to have you as a friend in deep, beautiful relationship with Him. So as we close today, I just got to ask you if you've found yourself. And if you have, if you're one of those people that say, I found myself and I've realized today I am truly free, oh man, you need to be given thanks for that. Just great thanks for that. If, if we've been talking about this and you're realizing that, you know what, I've, I've slipped over to that. I, I do the works bit. I do the works bit. i got to admit it. And it's time to say, Lord, would you forgive me for that and help me go back to understanding it's about a relationship with you? Some of you may be here now, and, and, and I am positive online. Some of you don't even really have that relationship. You've never really accepted the price he's paid for you. Today's a chance to do some business with that and say, Lord, all you need to do is say, Lord, I want to accept you. I want to be in relationship with you. I accept the work you've done for me to make me free. And now let me talk to you. Let me, let me get to know you better. 
And by the way, if you want to get to know him better, there's a book that's been written about him. And you can start there. And then you can start to have dialogue with him, and he will respond to you. Or maybe you just need to have some freshness, some newness, and you need to ask him for that. So if you feel like you found yourself there, here's what I'm going to ask you to do as we close. I'm going to ask you to put your hands out like this to receive from Him. We're going to stand here, and if you're at home, you can do the same thing. If you found yourself in the Scripture, slave or free or wherever you're at, you're somewhere in there, and you would like to receive from Jesus to to move from there to the next place He has for you, or just to give Him thanks for that, then I'm going to ask you to put your hands out again. And and here locally, would you stand as we, we close in prayer together? Let's just do that. Lord, we got our hands out to receive from you. We recognize that what you have given us is a free gift that we cannot earn. And Lord, there are some of us right now who just, who we, we just want to say, Lord, forgive us for thinking we could earn it. Forgive us for acting like we could earn it. And let us just receive fully the gift you've given us and the freedom we have because of our relationship with you and that you love us the way you do. Lord, I pray for those who just need a fresh wind, a fresh fire, a fresh sense of your presence, a a certainty that you want to work in and through them and that you want to do it by relationship. Uh, and, And they've been there in the past, but they need to get back there again. God, would you give them your spirit that this week you would open up doors for them, you would provide opportunities for them, you would let them walk with you and see what you would have for them. And Lord, those who do not know you this morning, I'm praying with them to just say, Lord Jesus, we want that relationship with you. Never had it before, but I'm hearing that you've paid them. I can have forgiveness of sins? Really, Lord, would you give me that? I want that gift from you. I want that relationship with you. I promise to pursue you with my whole heart and mind. And just thank you for what you've done for me. And Lord, this morning, the rest of us want to just say thank you. Thank you that we could be free in you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've taken the broken branches and that fruit is coming out again. Leaves are showing up again. And we're asking you to to, to just produce fruit that only you can produce. Not from us working harder, but from us leaning on you. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to worship right now, and I think the, the song that uh, Hayden picked just really, the words of this song fit right with what we're talking about. So let's just continue by worshiping the Lord together. <laughs>